Butcher, fourth generation dairy farmer, milking cows and making cheese on my small farm in Wisconsin. And I'm Matt Kinzera, and I know next to nothing about farming, but I'm on this food and farming adventure. Gather with us around the farm table. I've been dreaming and cheese making. We make a batch of cheese every other day, and the rest of the time, I suppose it consumes me. This morning, I opened the kitchen door to start my day. Just then, I was stopped by the thick, hot, and humid air that hangs around at the end of summer. In my morning fog, I imagined the air was milk, and that milk had coagulated and set, waiting for the next steps. I lifted my arm into the sky, turning my hand sideways into a make-believe knife and sliced right through that fancy curd, separating the air into curds and whey. And then I made my way to the barn. Matt, welcome back to the farm. It's always so nice to have you. It is the highlight of every one of my weeks that I get to be out here. So it's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. I mean, it's a little warm because we're in warm. August, but that's okay. I don't mind warm. My neighbor was telling me yesterday, I would rather mow grass than push snow. So we have to be happy when it stays like this. I think there's some truth to that. We probably shouldn't complain as Wisconsinites because it's going to be less than six months down the road where we're complaining about something completely different. Well, speaking of summer, what have you guys been up to? Well, it's been an interesting year, right, with the coronavirus and everything. So that limits your abilities to do much of anything. But one of the things that we've been able to do as a family is find these little wonderful outdoor spots that you can still be at a safe distance with everybody, but still enjoy all summer has to offer. And one of my favorite spots is called the Dancing Yarrow Farm to Fork in Mondovi, Wisconsin. And I know, Inga, usually you're the expert here. You're the one bringing the farmers to the microphone. <laughs> but I feel like today, I'm the one bringing the farmers to the microphone. And so we're gonna hear from Maria and Tom at Farm to Fork, the Dancing Yarrow, and also the person who started it all, a gentleman by the name of Dennis. I am really excited. Yeah, so I don't remember what birthday it was. And even if I did remember, I might not say it, but. <laughs> My wife Susie took me on a surprise birthday outing and she took me to the Dancing Yarrow because they're not just a farm, they have, here's what they have, it's, it's, it's smorgasbord of awesomeness. I love that word. Thank you. I don't even know <laughs> if I said it right. So we stayed in an Airbnb that they had set up there. They are right along the Buffalo River, so we did some kayaking down that river. They have a brick oven pizza restaurant, so we enjoyed that. And then of course they have this beautiful 18 acre farm that we just just got to experience and also he's a beekeeper I mean there's nothing these guys don't do I'm feeling terrible I my husband's birthday was last week and I got him a packet of little Debbie's snack cakes well you know every husband likes little <laughs> Debbie's you know we, I wouldn't complain if that shows up this year so well I'm excited like I love hearing about farms that are doing so much more than just growing vegetables or flowers or milking cows 
there's so many farms that are experimenting with sort of that agritourism and bringing people, bringing community into the farm and sharing that with so many people. I take for granted every day that I get to live out in the country and experience life on the farm and see green grass all around me and hear the birds. And I think it's so important for all of us to have that experience, to be able to really be involved with, with our farmers. Yes, and you hit it on the head with that idea of community. That's really what farming, that's what food does so well. And that's why I think you're going to love hearing everything that Maria and Tom and Dennis have to say out at the Dancing Yarrow. So here they are. I'm Maria Bamonte and my partner Tom Folden, we own Dancing Yarrow Farm to Fork Retreat. It's our second season of pizzas and farming and retreating and all sorts of fun stuff. Tommy and I moved here from Minneapolis almost nine years ago now and we moved here because we wanted to be closer to our food source. I had learned in my previous life in Minneapolis that food is medicine or it is poison so I chose to use it as medicine and it actually healed me from some health issues that I was having. And then um, Tommy and I actually met at yoga, at Bikram Yoga in Minneapolis. And through our practice with yoga, we learned that food can also help with your connection to a higher power, whatever that is for you. It's just like this cleanliness piece. And then also there's so many connections with food, with, with nature, with community, with spirit, with everything. And so those are a lot of the reasons that we wanted to be closer to our food source. I made an off the cuff comment to Tommy before we moved here. I said, when I retire, I would really like to move to the country and live off the land and grow my own food. And he said, why are you going to wait till you're retired? And I said, that's brilliant. Why are we going to wait till we're retired? <laughs> and so right after we made that comment, we started learning about the land and learning about what it takes to grow your own food. A lot of the food that we were purchasing in the cities that was healthy from the co-ops came from this area here in Mondovi. So we're like, hey, let's start there. Let's see if what it's like to live there. And then once we got here, it was a little bit different story. It was surprising to us that the food that was grown literally by our neighbors, we couldn't get our hands on here. It was all getting shipped out to bigger cities. It really pushed us to learn about our current food system in the whole country, about access to food, people that don't have access to food, and the importance of growing your own food. So that's what led us to here. That's really exciting. I, I love that sort of leap of faith of uprooting your life and starting something completely new, not knowing what the future holds, but having enough faith in it that it's gonna work out and also doing it because you want to have nourishing food for your family and you want to get back to what really matters. Yeah, I think the idea of just going for whatever whatever your dream is in this world, just going for it. So many people you hear that are successful, they just had this moment where they decided to not worry about what seemed logical and just right. to do it. I'm sure that was similar to your story when you started this farm. For sure. And you know, one thing my husband and I have been talking about a lot is like, what is success? Is success being a billionaire or because I say, well, tell them every day, I'm saying, gosh, we're so lucky. We're so, like, I feel like I'm really successful, even though, you know, I don't have a ton of money, but you know what? I have these great experiences every day, and just to be able to, to live that, and now we just want to be complete homesteaders and raise all of our own food and forage for wildcraft things and, and really get into it. 
uh, but I am grateful that we can go to the grocery store if that doesn't all work out. (laughs) (laughs) We're all thankful for the grocery store. We don't have to pretend like we're not. (laughs) Right. Right. But I think it's like a great success story of just of telling yourselves, hey, we can do this and they're doing it. And what is the hardest part about starting something is just doing it. Yeah, just right? starting it. Yeah. <laughs> Once you're in it, you kind of just have to make it work or not make it work. But that point of saying go is the hard part. And they did a great job and are having so much success early on in their business and farm out there. Now, your background, like so many farmers' background, is connected to their family members. And Maria and Tom have a similar story. But share a little bit about how that worked for you. Well, it's... I grew up, I'm a fourth generation farmer, so I grew up with my father milking cows. His father was helping him on the farm. See, with dairy farming especially, it seems like when one generation sort of retires, well, with farming you never get to retire. You, somebody else just starts milking the cows, basically. So I hear. And you get to do the other stuff. My dad's still working with me you know, almost every day on the farm. And, and I think it's wonderful, too. I think it's wonderful to be able to work with the generations like that. That's where you really get knowledge. With farming, you can read all the books, read all the books, watch all the videos, but you can really learn so differently, at least for me, working side by side with somebody that carries this knowledge from one generation to the next. Sometimes, well, I'll give you an example. When I first started dairy farming almost 15 years ago, my dad had a meeting in town or something, he wasn't around, and I was milking for the first time by myself. This would be six months into it, my dad was there for every milking except for this one. <laughs> and I was having trouble getting this cow in the barn, and I just sort of like, this might sound crazy, but I sort of reached into my genetic code, my Ooh, all like my that. soul, right? And sort of summonsed up my grandparents that had farmed before me and just sort of had that sort of feeling of what do I do now? And it kind of like just comes to you. Yes, that makes a lot of sense to me because my grandfather, he brewed beer for a living. He worked for the Schlitz Brewery. <laughs> so anytime when I'm thinking I can't have one more beer, right. I summon up my <laughs> grandfather's beer making history. History and just make that just one more, Grandpa. <laughs> See, that's really good. It works for all of us. It's drawing from the family. Ways, ways. <laughs> well, let's hear about Tom because Tom, his background is so connected with his grandfather, not just in farming, but farming in the way that they really believe in. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents in the younger part of my life. I would spend a lot of time with them in the summers, following my grandpa along, and they lived on a farm in Pipestone, Minnesota. My grandpa was an organic farmer, but not really labeled as organic. organic. You know, it just it's something that you would do. You fertilize your land with manure from your cows, and you use reuse seeds that you have harvested from the year prior. And But yeah, I, I spent a lot of time with them in the summers on their farm. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot of stuff. Some of that stuff is implanted in me subliminally, you could say, because sometimes now when I go to do something on this land, it's like second nature to me. Like stuff comes out and I kind of know the answer to certain things and I don't really know why I do. And I think it was because of that upbringing in that environment. Spending a lot of time with cows and just being outside of nature. A big part with farming is the affordability factor. You have implements that you need to use in order to keep 
going. And a lot of times what the people surrounding my grandpa would do, his family and friends, is they would actually share implements. You would pay slight amount of money for the repair of the implement, and I believe it was a factor on the amount of time that you used it. But when it was time to bale hay, you would share a baler. When it was time to combine corn, you would share the combine. So a lot of times it broke down the cost for people. And then when chemicals came around, that was really interesting too, because my grandfather shunned off a lot of those chemicals and didn't really want to use them. He didn't really see a need for them. But a lot of the farmers around his area, you could say, got talked into it. This is a really wild story. Like I, everyone always asks how we got here, and I always say the wind blew us here, literally, because when we started looking for land, we kind of were thinking we wanted to live in the city still by our family, and then we were kind of learning about the land, and we were trying to figure out where we wanted to live and like what was important when we purchased a piece of land. And a friend of ours had told us about this concept called permaculture. Learning to use plants together. For instance, a plant you might grow in the ground might pull up certain nutrients that the plant right next to it might need. Say a plant gives off a certain odor or smell, pushes off a bug or an insect, you plant that next to another plant that has those particular issues with those bugs and the bugs are pretty much gone. So in the monoculture system you have to put in high amounts of nutrients like your fertilizers and you have to also use high amounts of insecticides. There's too many of the same type of plant there. They don't have a defense mechanism against certain things so if some virus comes in pretty much you have to take care of it. Yeah, and it, like growing the same thing depletes the soil, it doesn't put it back in, there's all sorts of things. And that's one just one component of permaculture. I would say for me, I think that's why it's really hard to define permaculture because there's so many pieces that go into it. For me, it's understanding how the land works together, how everything is connected, how you design where you're living for maximum benefit, not only for yourself, but for everyone and everything living there. I love it when farmers are building community and inviting people to their farms. Again, I think it's so important as farmers that we help tell the story of what we do. But I'm even more curious of the folks that are really drawn to spending time at farms for the, the pizza farms or the bed and breakfast on farms. What is that experience like for a non-farmer? Well, for me, I grew up in the middle of nowhere surrounded by farms yet I wasn't a farmer so I was close enough to them where I really valued the local farms around me but I didn't know anything about them really other than growing up with a couple of farmers at school and things like that so there's a piece of it for me that feels like coming home you know going right. back to yeah. that growing up space but then I think there's a bigger piece that might be even more universal that I think we're all meant to be out in the wilderness, in creation, whatever you want to call it, I think there's so much life that happens when your feet are on the ground at a farm or just out in nature. There's something really special about that. And so many people 
live lives that don't include that and then we wonder why our society is so miserable all right. the time because we're not just enjoying all the beauty that's in our world so I think for me anytime that I can get away from my computer get away from the house I have to clean the lawn I have to right. mow my own responsibilities and go on to a space where there's life and community and beauty surrounding you we always talk when we're in those spaces my wife and I we always say everything fades away and everything seems to make sense so those are the places where you can dream you can have perspective you can even make really great and profound decisions because you're not skewed by the housework or the children or whatever it might be so I think what I love about going to places like the dancing yarrow is perspective seems to reside there that's so interesting like I, I it's I just love hearing about it because I always think if we have supper outside sometimes it's you know you have to bat the flies away or it's uh, oh it's hot or why would you know why would you want to be outside when you can be in the air conditioning because again like I just take it for granted that we get to be in the space now as I'm kind of getting older and slowing down more I can kind of take it in a little bit and just say wow we get to live in really beautiful <laughs> areas and really beautiful spaces and again I'm so excited that farms are opening their doors to folks that can bring their families out and just have that experience of farm life for a day. It's really wonderful, and I don't think it's unique to Wisconsin, but you see an awful lot of it in the Midwest, which is really exciting. So what is that experience like out at Dancing Yarrow? Oh, well, it's incredible, but let's let Maria talk about it because she knows every little element of it. We like to think of it as going back in time a little bit. It's kind of fun. A lot of people pull in the driveway and say instantly that they can feel like this relaxed feeling. And that's really what we're aiming for is just a place where there is little outside influences where maybe you can push away the screens, you can push away the news, you can push away all of the craziness of the world and come here, walk barefoot in the grass. You can stroll down by the river, maybe even dip your toes in the river. You can walk along and grab some raspberries off the raspberry bushes grab some tomatoes off the tomato plants and then when you're here enjoying the pizza we of course want it to be the best pizza you've ever had that's our goal and we try to get as many things from our garden that we can we forage a lot of wild weeds so that's fun a lot of times we have wild weed pesto but what we don't get here we do our best to get from local farms so we have a lot of neighbors that grow food that we also support their efforts too because that's very important as well so if we grew everything here ourselves we wouldn't be able to support them the Eau Claire farmers market we get food from for our pizzas there's good music most importantly we like to create a space where you can have good conversation and not necessarily with just the people you came with but like meet all of the other people that are here too now although the dancing yarrow has been around for quite some time most people know it because of their pizza restaurant their brick oven pizza restaurant which has not been around for very long so a lot of folks just think it's this beautiful space where you go out and get pizza but Maria and Tom and Dennis, their vision is so much more beyond that. And I think the same is true of, of you. I know a lot of people will look at farmers and say, well, you know, they're just doing their deal so they can pay their bills. But if you really talk to a farmer who's passionate about what they do, which is pretty much all of them, it's never just to do XYZ to get that paycheck. There's Listen, always if you're more to it. getting into farming for the money, you're getting in the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> So much of it for us is about connection 
and that connection with yourself and understanding your latent power, connection with a higher power, whatever that means to you, connection with spirit, connection with other individuals, and then with nature, with everything, just understanding how important every single thing is to the greater good. Um, I think probably the thing that we would love for people to know about this place is that we're trying to create this tiny little bubble of what we want the world to look like, where people are accepted as they are, that anyone is welcome to come just as they are, that we want everyone to be their best and our current culture and our current society doesn't make that very easy to do. When we're kind of busy living in the rat race, for lack of a better word, that we forget what our best life can look like. So we're trying to create this bubble here of community, of knowing what it's like to grow your own food, grow your own healthy, highly mineralized food, about the power of food, about the power of connection. Oh wow, I could talk all day about it. This bubble, we want people to be able to see it and feel it and then bring that into their own life and like continue to expand that outward into the world. Now Inga, when I first got to the dancing Yarrow, Maria and Tom were not yet a part of it yet. And there was this wonderful gentleman, his name is Dennis Anderson, and he is just a ball of life coming at you. And he is the reason that the dancing Yarrow exists. And he is just one of these special people that I think everybody in this world should meet because he's so profound yet so fun, so able to hold a wonderful conversation. And he brings this incredible spirit to the dancing Yarrow that Maria and Tom are now able to carry on. And so I thought it wouldn't be fair to do this podcast without bringing in the godfather, Dennis Anderson, to the conversation. Moved to this land in 1964. This was the bottom end of the family farm, so it wasn't farmed, so to speak. So I always felt a calling to be a steward for this piece of land. Therefore, it's never had chemicals, and been working on the energetics of it and nutrient-dense food since the 90s here the early 90s. It was dedicated as a safe place for humans to come and heal. Uh, there's been many different types of retreats here, both for health and herbalists, homeopaths. So the land ha has been serving its purpose well. It's been everything from a clinic to the Airbnb, which it is now. There's a CSA here for a while, which was really wonderful. And we've worked hard from the get-go here to build community in the area. And I think now with people understanding the importance of a community and really what the place it has, which is interesting because they always say you live in a community, but you really don't, you're alone. And so we've been working at being an example of being in a community that supports each other versus being in competition with each other. So to me, what I've noticed all along is that, especially more in the Western Hemisphere than the Eastern, especially North America, where we never had mentors of the concept of an extended family type community that we live in. They always think of a community as a school district or as their church, but not as more like an extended family where you're there for each other and you honor each individual's 
gift that they have to, to provide to other people. Give them a chance to do that and shine in that manner. The best way to see it go on is to be an example. Because people don't learn or can't see until the timing is right for them. When the timing is right, they notice that and they see other people go, I'd like to live like that. I'd like to have that peace of mind. Being on the land, being in the land is really a better term, I think. Being in the land, in other words, you're a part of it, not just on it. I think that's one of the best things you can do for one's health and mental stability, you know, whatever. It's actually allowing yourself to be still. You know, you hear those things all the time, but it's a thing that becomes a way of life. It isn't something that you can just go do. It's over time, it becomes a way you live. You just pay attention, you listen, you know, you get your feet buried in the soil. That is such a beautiful sentiment. It's something that I think about quite a bit on my farm. I don't have children. I never wanted to have kids. I My dad actually Such told me, a smart woman. My Such dad told me woman. years ago, he said, don't have kids. It's not worth it. And I was like, dad? like I don't know how I, if my father told me that, I don't know how I'd feel about that. Is there anything you want to let me know? Is that terrible? But I just, you know, I my kids are my cows and, and the land. And I, hats off to all parents. The one thing farmers think about is we put in so much work every day. I'm not trying to be like, oh, we're the hardest working people out there. We love what we do. You so are the hardest working people out there. It's just, it's so fun. But I, one of the things that I love doing on my farm is building the soil, putting in money and inputs into my land so that it can be the best it can be. And I would hate for then, when I die or retire, for someone just to put concrete over the top of it or kill all the fungi in the soil and just destroy everything. So it's a constant thing of how do you keep that going? Yeah, and I'm always a little bit saddened when I hear stories about farmers selling off their farm as whether it's for their retirement or just because their children don't want to keep it going. Right. There's always a little piece of me that's sad when I hear that because the way that farming was kind of meant to be is it gets some way, some shape, some form, it keeps going. That land was put there to be farmed, so keep farming it forever. Right. Or I used to live just outside of Washington DC in Virginia and they there was just so much sprawl happening from these sort of the the people building around the city right and it just kind of came out in the country and I remember driving by this one beautiful old barn and it looked like back in the 30s they were milking cows and it was a productive farm and then all of a sudden now it was just there was freeways and interstate just going around it and it was so sad it's just so sad to see that and didn't know all the time that's put into these these farms it's not just it's like basically your heart right is the farm is like your heart so you're putting in all this time and all this effort and you want to see it get better go beyond you get better with time and nowadays what are we seeing we're seeing a huge decline in anyone wanting to take over the family farm for really good reasons 
hard to pay the mortgage payment. It's a lot of long days. It's a lot of hard work. And it's just beating your head up against the wall a lot of times. But when you're seeing examples like, like Dennis teaching that next generation that maybe they're not his children, but he's able to bring them in and teach them. We need folks like that. And there are programs out there, like woofing uh, worldwide organic farm internships and just different opportunities for a young person or even maybe somebody looking to change their career to learn firsthand from the farmer. And that's what I love too about what we're seeing in more modern farming. People like you who not only have a farm but also have a television show in this right. podcast. People like Maria and Tom and Dennis who not only have a farm but they have a restaurant and it's almost this entrepreneurial spirit that won't let the farm die you, and I yeah. really appreciate that. Well most farmers have at least one off-farm job and one thing I'm seeing is with a lot of these sort of this new blood that's coming to farming with CSA's vegetable farms like uh, Maria and Tom doing the pizza, they're thinking so far out of the box. It's exciting now to see with the sort of new breadth of people coming into agriculture, and I will say the majority of new farmers are women farmers. And it seems like women have this ability to sort of think outside of the box a little bit easier and say, oh, I have these hobbies. Like when we talked with Julie about doing her soaps, really excited for these folks to be doing something different and inviting people into the farm. One of the main reasons that Tommy and I wanted to be part of this place is because it's so heavily centered around community and Dennis has done such a great job with that. When Tommy and I moved out here, we didn't know how hard it was to begin to be a small farmer. Like It took us five and a half years, so college educated, professional jobs, and it still took us five and a half years to be able to buy a property that had land on it that we could farm on. And we just kept running into barrier after barrier. And so we thought, you know what, now that we have this place, we want to help other people that want to do this. We can wipe out some of those barriers because access to capital is really difficult, access to land is difficult, and banks won't give you a loan unless you have farming experience, and you can't get farming experience unless you have a land, so it's like this huge circle that people get stuck in, so the world is, needs more small farmers. So we have 18 acres here, and our dream is to have lots of small farmers be able to get their beginning here, and we don't 100% know what that looks like, but we have the space, and we're building a community of people that are willing to share their knowledge and their experience with these people. So. Ultimately, we'd have probably three or four people or couples or small families living in tiny homes and they'd each have their own garden and ideally then that garden would be food for themselves but then we could also build a market here and then it could be shared out with the community. Really our dream is for this place to be able to be a hub for anyone that wants to get involved with farming, with farm to fork food business and be able to help them get on their feet and get going and just kind of slowly build out a new small farming community. I feel so grateful and so blessed to be able to have it and be able to have it to share with people. Um, we never feel like it's ours or that we own it. We feel like we're stewards of this land. I want every piece of land to be treated this way eventually would be the big dream. There's just something about it when there's been so much care to it. It's almost like you can feel it reciprocated, the care back at you. We often make pizza here on our farm and we do it in a slightly different way. We make Ahsoka. Ahsoka is a chickpea flour crust. Ahsoka's originated in the Provence region of France and they're almost sort of like a flatbread or a focaccia. 
The way I do mine is I mix a cup of chickpea flour with a cup of water, two tablespoons of olive oil, and a good pinch of coarse sea salt. Whisk that up so that there's no lumps left in that batter and then let that batter sit and come together for about 30 minutes or overnight. Traditionally, Ahsoka is made over a roaring fire, but don't worry, you don't have to have a campfire to make the Ahsoka. Take a cast iron skillet, set it in your oven, and start preheating your oven to 450. Once your oven is at 450, pull out your cast iron skillet, Put a little bit of olive oil in the skillet, swish it around so it covers the inside of the skillet, and then go ahead and dump your soca batter right inside. It's gonna start to bubble and cook right away from the heat. Turn your oven on to broil, pop your soca under the broiler for a few minutes, maybe three, four minutes, until it gets nice and crispy and brown around the edges. Now that's what I use for a pizza crust. It's gluten-free, I feel like it has a little bit more protein, and it's just really fun to say. I garnish my socas depending on the season. In the springtime, there's a lot of fiddlehead ferns and morel mushrooms. In the early summer, it's garlic scape pesto and wilted arugula. And during tomato season, I do a traditional basil pesto with roasted tomatoes, sliced garlic, and some fresh mozzarella. However you decide to top your soca is up to you, but I think any way you find, it's gonna be fantastic. Enjoy. Matt, as always, thank you so much for coming out to the farm. Well, it was a sheer joy. And special thanks to Maria Bamonti, Tom Folden, and Dennis Anderson and their great work out at Dancing Yarrow. You can find out more about them by going to farmtoforkretreat.com. Well, I hope you've all enjoyed this time with us, and I hope you'll gather with us next time around the farm table. I'm your host, Inga Witcher. And I'm Matt Kinzera. If you enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share it with your friends. You can also review us and leave us five stars if you'd like. And if you're looking for some recipes and to connect with some of the farmers we talk to, find us at www.aroundthefarmtable.com and check out your local PBS station for television episodes of Around the Farm Table.